Good morning and welcome to our morning service here at Lansing Tabernacle. Thank you, Matt, for reading the scripture to us and thank you, David, for leading us in worship. Before we look in a scripture together, let us pray. Father God, we ask your help this morning. We ask your guidance. We ask for your spirit to be among us and in us as we look in the scripture. We pray that as we come together, Lord, Jesus will be revealed to each one of us. And then we will be drawn close and that willingness and that thirst and hunger in our heart will be stirred so we become more like him. We pray that you will bless your church and be the Lord of your church until you come again. Amen. I've chosen to speak from this passage in John chapter 10 uh, because of three reasons. Our first one is that we need to be reminded of the simple but fundamental truths of the gospel. We have a short memory and, and that is um, the same for me or anyone else. We forgot things very easily and we need to be reminded that Jesus is the only saviour. Jesus, Jesus is the good shepherd who can shepherd our life and prepare us for what he's got in place for us. And secondly, we need to look at Jesus's character in order to become more like him. Knowing Jesus is the call for each Christian. And thirdly, I've chosen this passage because we are in a situation where we're looking for a new pastor for our church. And it's important that while we are looking for answers to our questions and when we're seeking God for the right person, we know the right filters through which we can analyse and make decisions according to God's will. And looking at Jesus, the Good Shepherd, will teach us a few traces of character that we should be looking into a pastor. Eight times in John Gospel, John's Gospel, Jesus uses this statement, I am. A statement comes back from when Moses meets God at the burning bush in, uh, in, uh, in the desert. There God reveals himself to Moses and there God sends Moses to get his people out from a land of slavery to bring them salvation and take them to the land full of um, milk and honey where God's blessing is overflowing and his presence is with his people. And Jesus comes again um, and he talks to God's people, the same people, and they need to hear it. I am the God. I am the one who can save you. I am who can take you to green pastures. I am the one who give sense and meaning to your life. Today we're going to look at two of those statements. One in uh, uh, John chapter 10 verses 7 and 9 I am the gate and then uh, John chapter 10 verses 11 and 14 I am the good shepherd verses 1 to 10 I am the gate Jesus paints here a picture for his listeners he talks about something that the Jewish uh, a listener will be very used with. In a Jewish countryside you will have um, spread around uh, sheep pens. They are usually um, a circle in a circle with about 10 feet of a wall around and a, a cut into the wall where the gate is um, and there 
the sheep will go in and come out through that um, gap in the, in the wall. Then Jesus describes um, someone who climbs of the, over the wall, a, a thief or a robber. Then he talks about the watchman and the shepherd and the sheep, um, and all of them have a name. Then he's a stranger who tries to um, uh, drag the sheep away from the shepherd. And there is the pasture for going in and going out too. This is a very dynamic image, loads of movement, loads of noises. If you just stop for a moment and you close your eyes, you could just see this happening. But in the same time, this is an image of God's people. Many, many times in the scripture, God speaks through the prophets and he uh, calls his people the flock of his pasture. So, those who are listening to Jesus should understand what Jesus was talking about. Why is this? Well, just earlier on in chapter 9, Jesus heals a man who was blind uh, from birth. And here he is, uh, the man seeing again and the Jewish leader denying that this is the truth. And more than that, they uh, decide to um, chuck him out of the synagogue. Um, and then they deny that there was uh, uh, ever a miracle there. They are the spiritual blind. He who was blind physically was um, made to see spiritually and physically, but they who are able to see with their physical eyes cannot see with their spiritual eyes. There it is, God among them making a miracle, healing a man who was impossible to, to see, and then deny they deny it. Accepting that Jesus has healed the man in chapter 9, would have meant they had to accept that he is the Son of God, and they didn't want that. Jesus gives them another chance, and he uses now this imagery with the purpose that even the blind, maybe, maybe at one point they will be able to hear the voice of God and come into the fold. Jesus presents the shepherds of the flock in opposition to those who don't want own the sheep. The shepherd enters through the gate. The sheep know his voice um, and, and the shepherd knows each one of them by name. In opposition, the others, the um, uh, paid hand, are they or, or the, the the thieves and the robbers? They jump over the fence. Um, they look to rip off the flock, to destroy and steal and kill. Um, when the shepherd is there to secure uh, and protect the sheep, to make sure they are they are well, very well looked after. The sheep run away from the strangers and they don't know their voice. I remember as a teenager many, many years ago, uh, my uncle and my aunt used to keep sheep. And I remember him going to the sheep pen every morning and having a few crumbs of bread in his pocket and he will open the gate and he would call them by name. He had quite a few and all of them had names. And then as soon as he put his hand in his pocket, they will come to him and he will give them a few breadcrumbs and then they will be very happy. 
and he will walk in front walk in front of them and go up on the mountain to find fresh pasture every day and then will happen the same thing in the evening when they will return and it's a it's an amazing imagery to to think of it's important that the shepherd looks out for fresh pasture and it's important that the shepherd is uh, able to bring the sheep back to safety in the sheep pen. He does that because he is in tune with God's voice. And I think one very important quality that uh, leaders, whether they are in the church or uh, in other area of service, uh, Christian leaders are able to discern and hear God's voice. It's essential that we, as God's people, are walking in step with God. And I think one of the things that we will look at uh, when we're going to look at getting a new pastor is the way he listens to God and the, the way he gets guidance from God. Although this is not just for leaders, this is for each one of us. Today, God's people, God's people need leaders who are able to have a pastoral voice. They need to be able to care for God's people, to nurture, to dis disciple, to discipline, to know their people, to do the best for their people in order to have life and have it in full. Then leaders uh, in, for God's people need to have a prophetic voice. It's important that those who are leading God's people are able to warn uh, against thieves and bandits and the things that rob us of our joy in our walk with Jesus. And there are so many out there. And also, God's people need to be warned about the false teachings that creep into the church, that try to separate people um, and people from God. Also, God's people need to be warned about sins that destroy lives, that destroy families, that take away joy and eternity. God's people need to be warned about the schemes of the devil, the world and the sinful nature. And thirdly, we need as God's people leaders who have a missionary voice who are able to clearly proclaim that through Jesus and Jesus is the only way of salvation. We hear more often the idea that we all climb up the mountain, we all have our own ways and we're all going to end up in heaven. Well, that simply is not true. The only way to salvation is through Jesus. And we need our leaders to be clear on that. And also we need our leaders to be able to empower God's people to live a fruitful life in proclaiming Jesus to the world. A second part of the passage that we read this morning, uh, I'm we're going to look from verse 11 to verse 18. Again, Jesus, because the, Jesus, because the Jews in Jesus' time didn't understand his first image, he wants to press on with that. And now he... Uh, talks again about um, a shepherd and a flock um, and I am sure that in a Jewish mind um, it's impossible for them not to remember Psalm 23 for example or Psalm 80 
or Isaiah 40 or even Ezekiel chapter 34. There, unfortunately, God doesn't speak very nicely about uh, his people's uh, shepherds. He, he talks about them as those who have failed to provide pasture and security uh, for uh, God's people. More, we are told there, they're um, plundering the flock and they left the flock to be plundered by others, by God's enemies. And there in Ezekiel chapter 34, God promises two things. Well, he promises that he will take care of his own flock and he will go and search for the lost and he will lead the flock to good pasture. And that is God's people. And secondly, uh, God promises that he will judge those wicked shepherds and when necessary, he will even judge some of the sheep. And then he will appoint a new shepherd. When Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, in a Jewish mind, it was that image from Ezekiel chapter 34, because the people's uh, shepherds has failed the people. God will send the good shepherd who will take care of God's people. When he says, I am the good shepherd, he makes himself equal to God. And that is death deserving. And Jesus here again, he presents himself in opposition with the higher hand. The good shepherd lies down his life for his sheep. He cares for the sheep to the point of sacrifice. He stays in the gap. And the reality is, in the Jewish mind, in the Jewish village, uh, where, there where the, the, the sheep pen was placed, the shepherd would literally lie down in the gap, in the gate, and he will stay there overnight and watch over his flock. The same was, was, uh, is Jesus doing for us. He is lying down his life, so we are saved. In opposition, the higher hand, he doesn't own, they don't want the, the sheep, they abandon the sheep run away when the wolf comes and we know that the devil that is what they are looking for someone that they, they can scare and run away and then they can scatter the flock the higher hand cares nothing but jesus knows his sheep and his people know him jesus brings unity among the sheep he brings them together he goes out and no matter what the skin color you are, no matter what language you speak, no matter what culture you have, no matter how educated or not you are or how much you earn a month, Jesus brings the same salvation message to each one and then he brings everyone into the fold. And then there is one flock and one shepherd. And that is through the cross. You see, brothers and sisters, we cannot escape the cross. There is no salvation without the cross. There is no church without the cross. There is no reconciliation without the cross. There is no peace without the cross. So I think that's an essential, uh, uh, essential for a Christian faith. And I just want to declare it again to all of us this morning. Without the cross, 
there is nothing. So what is the call for each one of us this morning? Well, the, the call is to remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. And this is the gospel. The call for each one of us is whatever God has placed us in a um, in a situation of being a leader. It could be just in our own family, leading our uh, children, leading our wives, leading um, uh, maybe at work in a in a leading uh, situation. Um, in whatever place God has put us, He has called us to be like Jesus. And being like Jesus means we need to lay down our lives. We need to be called to sacrifice. We need we need to be patient. God has called us to stay in a gap. We look at the society among us and we can see so many gaps. So many people hurting. So many people lacking. So many people poor spiritually and physically. And we are there to lay down our lives and enrich and give abundant as we're have been given by Jesus. We are called to extend our love to those outside our church, group, denomination. We are called to pour out the blessing that God has given us. The salvation is free for all. There is an epilogue to the passage that we just read and that's from verses 19 to 21. There a discussion happens among the Jews and and some, some of them thought that Jesus is demon-possessed and raging mad. And then they said, this is a waste, a waste of time. Why should we waste our time listening to this guy anymore? He's mad. Listen to him. But some heard the voice of God. And you see, Jesus, when he comes, he creates dissension. And it's very important that we are on Jesus' side. The world does not like Jesus. The world will not accept Jesus. But we, as his people, should love him and follow him. Although we might be considered raging mad, we might be considered crazy, at the same time, following Jesus is the call for each one of us. This morning, I will close and say, Let's be one in Christ. Let us submit under the shepherding hand of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us trust him that he will provide for all that we need, even for a pastor for our church. Let us be in the same time aware that there is someone raging out there trying to uh, rip off the body of Christ, trying to separate us, trying to break the unity of a church, of our church, any church. Let us be aware of that and let us not give in a foothold in our lives and let us hang on to Jesus who is our Lord. This morning I want to remind you, Jesus loves you, Jesus cares for you, Jesus has died for you, Jesus has raised again and Jesus wants to save you. So, Bring this good news in your family, to your children, to your grandchildren, to your neighbours, to the people around you. Let the joy of the Lord fill your life and our lives until he comes again. Amen.